0: In the last installment of Social Truth, I talked with Cece about the complexities of adult friendship and how to actually hang out with your friends who are working adults as a working adult. In this episode, Nikki and I will be looking at a case study of, wait for it, him and his best friend and also work partner Kokomoko. Their friendship dynamic is so interesting to me, like as like my interests are leaning into sociology, like that is so interesting to me. And I think it's one that should be in the books, on the record, as hashtag this was studied. Um, they are the literal gods of social media marketing, TikTok, and I'm sure you've seen them on your for you page. But without further ado, you're not here to listen to me say the intro. This is I'm not gonna lie, this is my fourth time recording the intro. But without further ado, I'm gonna stop talking. You, we're just we're just gonna okay.
1: Hi, I'm Nikki. (laughs) I am uh, a content creator. And I also, um, I I don't know what to call myself. I I guess a creator is a good word. But um, I got started in all this three years ago. Um, I mean, I think I was, I I was definitely like, super chronically online growing up. um, And that was really like, uh, mind formation, you know i think like everyone has their thing of their childhood for some people it's cartoons or some people it was like reality tv in jersey shore or for other you know and like i think my thing was just really like youtube like that whole specifically like i think like 2013 to like 2017 youtube is like so ingrained <laughs> into my mind and like who i am as an individual um and I just re- even remember like locking myself in my high school bedroom for hours at a time, just watching YouTube videos. And I knew that that was something that I always wanted to do um, or at least like get involved with, but I didn't really know how. And I felt like also at the time, like YouTube was just such a high barrier to entry platform. Like you have to have a camera and you have to be able to edit and have editing software and have the time to do that. And it's it was just difficult. So when I went to college, I studied like literally just like general business and marketing, like truly nothing special at all. And honestly, I don't think that college equipped me at all for like what my career in social media ended up being prior or like after that. Um, But it it was really just like a means to an end. And then after that, um, I got my first job out of college. I graduated in the pandemic. Um, at BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed was was the oh, wow. was the first place that I worked at, um, and that's actually where where I met Coco. I met Colleen there. Um, she was my first boss, kind of, um, <laughs> which was really really crazy. Um, I when I got hired there, I first of all lied. <laughs> I lied in my interview and said that I was based in California. They were only looking to hire people either in LA or New York. <laughs> I was in Virginia, which is where I'm from. Um, And they interviewed me on a Wednesday and it was for like in essentially an internship position. Like I, I, I was a freelance worker and I was making $25 an hour and what they wanted, I think was literally like a Gen Z kid right out of college. And this is early 2021 and they were trying to tackle TikTok and we're like, well, let's just get some young super online kid who's Mm -hmm. had experience using this and see if he can figure that out. So that's when I came on. Um, I I started as like a a social strategist for short form video. And my boss was um, technically it was like the, her name was, he was Emma. She was great. She was like the the director of social. Um, And then under her was Colleen Coco, who's Coco Moco on TikTok. And she so like i i think i had the the fortunate like i, I don't know it, it's, it's just weird like everything really worked out like the person who was my first boss and my first job ended up just being like my best friend and it years later you know like i i see her three times a week i text her all the time honestly she feels more like a sister to me than she feels like a friend and that was like my gateway into all of this was like i just worked at an internet company and then started doing stuff for myself and and here we are Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's actually yeah um those were like my first couple questions for those um listening like you're always with another creator coco moco and if you guys don't know they have a podcast together share your screen right Mm -hmm. um yeah they're really they're really kicking it back in that area um But I do want to backtrack a little bit. And I'm just so curious, this isn't even on the notes. But did you have the I want to be a YouTuber kit like as a kid? Were you like, I want to be a YouTuber? And then that gateway led to like, oh now I'm a creator, social media strategist.
1: (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Like I, I I think it's honestly like one of my biggest driving forces of like things that I want to accomplish in my career is solving this exact problem was like, I felt like I knew that I wanted to have a career related to content in some capacity. And that didn't necessarily mean on camera. In fact, both me and Coco, the entire time we we're at BuzzFeed, um, were never on camera once a single time. You cannot find a BuzzFeed video with either of our faces in it. Um, and that was intentional. Like we, we loved doing strategy and we loved, learning and and being behind the scenes and learning about like the algorithm and posting and, and that kind of stuff. Or there's like so much other, you know, different ways people get into being in social. Like some people go through the major, the agency pipeline and, and, you know, do entirely branded stuff with brands and work with creators in that capacity, or people do PR and they're all doing like experiential and events and stuff like that. Um, And I didn't know like where in that vast landscape I wanted to land. I just knew that the internet was the one thing that, had excited me since i was a kid and never stopped exciting me um so i wanted to do something like that but college i at least like my college i felt was so not equipped for that like there's no internet 101 or like mm-hmm. uh how to be a creator even just like the skills of like edit like video editing and and writing good scripts or um working on influencer campaigns or social campaigns in general was just like it's so not something taught in a formalized classroom setting predominantly because I think most of of standardized education moves really slow and professors tend to be on the older side and the internet moves so rapidly that it's like almost impossible to create any sort of formalized curriculum around it. But that is really like one of the things I want to do in my life. Like I really want to figure that out of like, how can there actually be Mm -hmm. a, a way to teach people who are like, just freaking love the internet and like want to be attached to it in some way for the rest of their life and like how you can achieve that um but that was like the 90,000 minute long way to answer your question no I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do or like if I wanted to be a creator I was just like really captivated by the internet and I always am and I think I always will be and um literally BuzzFeed was the first job that like offered me something and it was it was like Uh, really at the top of my list of like companies at the time too and like I like I said like it just felt like this weird serendipitous thing like I I was lying to them I had an interview on a Wednesday completely lied to them saying that I was in California. They offered me the job on a Friday and asked if I could start on Monday like within just a week and I was like okay like I guess this is this is what's gonna happen and this is where I'm going. Um and I never really looked back after that. So
0: um I, I have to say like you it was kind of such a unique time and like on like the internet that you came into BuzzFeed like graduating from the pandemic and then fresh out of college going straight to BuzzFeed but regardless let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode Please. social truth meeting <laughs> someone making a friend the complexity of adult friendship so um how did her being your boss play into like the connection you formed and, like um, did it help you ease into it you know I
1: mean I think at the beginning it was definitely like formal like I had to Mm -hmm. like you know uh, and it was also like there's just like the nerves of it being your first job out of college and stuff too you really want to you have this intrinsic desire to do well because it's been something that you've been thinking about all your life but also like the pressures of corporate but Colleen is like the nicest most empathetic person ever so I think like after two weeks it didn't even really feel like she was my boss anymore and also I think that like we just had one of those friendships where the second we met I mean, we're just like obsessed with all of the same weird niche things about the internet. Um, and it was what we were both doing 40 hours a week. So there was always a lot to talk about. And we just became friends really, really quickly that way. Um, and also, I think we I kind of had the luxury of like, she was the person who trained me and she was the person who was like, kind of my boss, but she wasn't my, like, direct manager. So, like, if I was going to be fired (laughs) in a hypothetical timeline, like, Coco wouldn't have had to been the person who would have fired me. It would have been the director of social, who who was also Coco's boss at the time. So, I, like, we had that, like, perfect middle ground of, like, she was kind of a, a mentor relationship, but also I didn't feel that, like, power dynamic, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Like, that in between, I totally get like like even when i was emailing you i was debating every time i replied like do i go in all lowercase letters do i go formal (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's something i struggle with every day but how long did you work together and how long were you friends for during the time you worked at buzzfeed
1: okay so i worked at buzzfeed for a little over two years almost three coco worked there a full year before i did so when i started um, I came on, I, I was working with her on like their social team. That was when we first met. Um, and I did that for their whole thing was like, we really want to like get this account to a million followers. That was their big, big goal. Um, so I came on, and in six months, Colleen and I achieved that when we were working together, like behind the scenes. Um, and that was great. And it was really, really exciting. It was also like such a great, I think, training wheels for me, honestly, for both of us, I think to like learn about what it means to like, if, you know, now that I do this full time, I didn't know I would be doing it full time then, but it was like training wheels in the sense, like I didn't have to be on camera, but I did have to figure out how to edit. I did have to figure out what was going viral, how to build repeatable formats, how to build IP, how to, how to do things that we knew would attract brand sponsors. So like we were actually, you know, making money and stuff like that, like all of that was so valuable and it was so nice to do inside of a corporate environment because I was getting paid and like, you know what I mean? I didn't have to worry about whether or right. not like the I could post a video and it could fail, <laughs> like it could do terribly. And like my livelihood didn't depend on that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I think it was really, really valuable from that sense. And then six months later we did that. And also again, keep in mind this whole time I was a freelancer and I just, I think I I started in May. So this was like end of 2021. Um, And I had just known that like I needed full-time employment and that I wanted to take time off and have benefits and, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, And I didn't think that there was going to be a full-time position opening up, like doing what I was doing, doing social media management with Mm -hmm. like under, with Colleen on, on her team and stuff. So I started like, networking internally with other people around the company um mm-hmm. and that i think was like one of the most one of the smartest things i've ever did and honestly if you are or anyone else listening like the number one thing i had, had ever recommend anyone with getting into a career like it does not matter what you know it matters who you know it's exactly. sad it is like the way of the world that it's just how it works um and when i wasn't able to get a full-time job on my team i i was, you know, setting up one-on-ones with random people that worked on the company, or I would just have a meeting with someone, or we would have, like, group team meetings, and someone would give a presentation, and I would just message them afterward. It's like, hey, you did such an amazing job. Like, I really feel like I learned so much. Like, um, I just started here four months ago. I would really love to pick your brain sometime and learn more about your career. And I think when you come at it from that approach to people, like, especially if it's, if it's people who are a bit older than you and have been in the industry for a bit, but are also, like, still young, so they're not like jaded <laughs> or like, you know what I mean? Like they kind of remember what it feels like to have that desperation or like not right. secure job sense. Like people are, are really so empathetic and so kind to you. And I was just doing that with literally a bunch of people like salespeople at the company to per- video producers, to other social people, to, you know what I mean? Like the, the whole mm-hmm. organization. And then um, one of the people who I was, I was talking to was, Um, She was the director on their creators team, like their influencer marketing team. And the social team didn't have a full-time job opening, but this influencer marketing team did. So six months after that, um, after it started, I I moved teams and Colleen wasn't my boss anymore. But again, like we're just best friends. We hung out multiple times a week. We filmed together all the time. Um, And that's when I got more into like the business side of the industry which was really, really, I think like now that I, I'm a creator, like the most valuable experience that I had, because I learned things like how much do you charge for usage or like what you should do in exclusivity or like, um, you know, like what brands were asking for, what they didn't, who, what people they liked working with, what people they didn't like working with. And again, like, it was like, it felt like this playground where I got to like learn a lot when I, my own money wasn't on the line. Like my own livelihood wasn't on the line. Um, so then I did that for a year and a half. And then um, I think me and Colleen had been posting and like making videos together for a while. And I knew that that, like once I started started to grow following a bit, that was what I wanted to do. And I think I have like lots of fond memories of BuzzFeed, but I also knew like that wasn't ever what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So we kind of both just decided and, and we ended up um, quitting on the same day. We, her and I, we, we put our in like our two weeks and stuff like that. And we left mm-hmm. on the same day to chase this thing. And that was three months ago. <laughs> um, so that's kind of like the journey of like how we met and when we started filming together and how long we worked together and all that, it was like a weird, I, I really just feel like the universe like posts together and it's like, Hey, you guys, like you're, you were meant to work together. Like we're gonna make this, this happen for you guys. And we started working together one day, and we just loved it so much, and loved being around each other so much. We never really stopped.
0: You, you were talking about like growing together, like under a, a big corporation, so you can learn for like mm-hmm. your own selves as you like self-employ later. Yep. But how did the conversation of quitting like come to fruition? Like, who was like, let's let's just quit and start our own stuff?
1: <laughs> I mean. <laughs> we had been thinking about it for a while i think i really started to think about it january of this year and i mean coco is like a lot bigger than me so she could have left before if she wanted to i think she's just more she's more uh she's like she plays it safer than i do (laughs) just like in life in general um and i also think it was like a weird like emotional thing like we just like there was like BuzzFeed was like this security blanket for us for a long time. Again, like I said, like we were building this skill set and and making connections with people and and doing stuff that we really liked under this very secure environment or like an at least an environment where I didn't feel like I had to fight for my life. So it wasn't a a a flash decision and also like I budgeted. I was like, okay, like if I want to do this, like how many months of income do I need to have saved? Like, what does my rent look like? What do my average expenses look like? And um, I was, so I was doing that and I was literally doing that math. And then I started getting like my first few brand partnerships and stuff like that. And then I took all that money and didn't spend a penny of it and like put it in a savings account. So I was like, okay, six months from now, like when I quit, I'm going to need this money. Um, and then I we just went for as long as we could until about, yeah, June. And then I was like, okay, like, I think it's, it's, it's time. Um, but I don't think, like, we, you know, like, I didn't feel particularly pressured because either one, I don't think either of us felt particularly pressured because either of us wanted to leave, per se. I think it was just, we had both been talking about it for a while. We'd both been thinking about it for a while. We felt pulled to do this other thing. And, you know, that's life. Sometimes just chapters chapters close so new chapters can start
0: right so that means you guys have been working together by yourselves for about three months now
1: yeah literally only three months but Mm -hmm. it's been wonderful
0: you guys have made such a big name for yourselves already like i see you guys pulling up on my for you page all the time like regardless (laughs) that i follow both of you like you guys are really really doing amazing so how do you, you yeah like how do you maintain a good relationship with someone who's both your work partner, but is also your friend. Um,
1: I, I mean, I think that one, it's really nice that we are very like our work relationship. Isn't our entire like ride or die of what we do on the internet, which right. I think helps a lot. So like we have this show together and we have our podcast together and, and we film together twice a week, but I don't only post videos of the two of us. You know what I mean? She doesn't only post videos of the two of us. So I think that really takes the pressure off of like needing one another. Like one of our biggest um, inspirations for doing this is the Colin and Smear show. I don't know if you've ever seen them Mm -hmm. or, or watched them. And I absolutely love their stuff, but they only film together. And I'm sure that that's like a lot of pressure on the both of them. Or like if one of them gets sick for the week, like, does the show have an episode? I don't know. You know what I mean? But like for us, that's like never, that, that was like something important to us in the beginning was like, we love working together. We want to work together, but also like, we're not both putting all of our eggs into this basket um, because obviously life happens to people. Like it, it's inevitable. Um, and then just like in terms of like, I guess like having a friend that you want to work with is like, in the beginning, we were very, very vocal about, like, what does this relationship look like? What Mm -hmm. will it look like? Like, even if we aren't making tons, like, we're not making money off of the show right now at all. But we're like, okay, like, when that happens one day, what are we going to do? You know, like, I think, like, defining guidelines and defining, like, these things to each other before it ever escalates to a point where those things can come up or become issues is really, really important. Like, are we even on the same page before we get to that page of our story? You know what I mean? Um, Was like a really, really important thing we did in the beginning. And again, like we're great friends. Like I didn't feel like we were ever misaligned at anything, but I would advise that to anyone. It's like really just like over communicate, over define anything Two, I think like Mm -hmm. just Colleen as a friend for me is like really a person that I don't ever feel uncomfortable saying no to. And I don't think I could ever be in business with somebody who I was afraid to say no to. Um, right. Like just in anything, I, I think honestly, it's like anything online, you're defined more by what you don't do than like what you do so much of the time. Or like so much of it is like, you're going to get offered things or, or do things that like aren't good for your career or aren't genuine or aren't going to build longevity. And I like, both of us were very clear, like, hey, if one of us says no, then we need to agree that, like, both of us is going to say no and, like, have, have mm-hmm. that kind of conversation. Um, and even with, like, just creative things, like, sometimes it's like, one, don't be afraid to say no, but also, two, don't be afraid to say yes. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes one of us has a video idea about, like, a super niche thing that, that like, I'll give an example. Colleen was, was wanting to do this video um, and, and talked about, like, Lonely Girl 15, which is this mm-hmm. really uh, unique thing that happened on the internet in 2006, mm-hmm. and in 2006, I was seven, so, like, I don't remember this happening, but she really, really remembers it happening, and was, like, so adamant about wanting to do an episode on it, and I was, like, yeah, sure, <laughs> like, I'm, I don't know how much I can add to this conversation, um, but, like, because you want to do it, I will do it. And I think that's also really, really important. It's like if someone that you're working with has that fire in their eyes about something, and even if you don't understand it at all, they, you, if you chose to go into business with this person, it's because you chose to, like, follow their passion as much as you chose to follow their own. And sometimes yeah. trusting them is just worth it.
0: Yeah. And, I, like, I saw the Lonely Girl 15, like, that topic, I, I think it was doing, like, pretty well on TikTok with like- yeah it,
1: it did do well again like it's yeah. a it, it was a crazy i would i would love to talk about it but like i'll spend 30 minutes and end up talking about that alone <laughs> but um it was like a crazy niche thing that happened on on the internet so long ago um mm-hmm. it happened on youtube and actually it was ended up being fun fact the first ever youtube brand deal that has ever happened in history was lonely girl 15 and it was with neutrogena What's well, the client Um, And, like, stuff like that. Like, I think that's so cool. You know what I mean? Like, reflecting upon that, like, that's cool. And um, the tone of the episode, too, ended up being, like, she went in very, very deeply researched. I went in completely blind. So there was, like, this duality of somebody who has all of the context, all of the information, can report the facts for people who are very familiar with that circumstance and very interested mm-hmm. in that topic and remember it and want to know the facts about it and then i was personifying like somebody who is a little bit more gen z and had no recollection of this did not know any of it and was reacting to it in real time so i felt like colleen could like personify the people who are familiar with it i could personify the reactions of the people who had never heard of it in their life and that actually makes for like a really good show dynamic i think of like right one person who knows what it is one person who doesn't so you get the reaction factor but you also get the information and the knowledge and the education and you know what I mean so again like that's just an example of where even if you don't understand it sometimes trust trust other people and and see where it goes you learn more by doing than thinking of doing you know
0: yeah and I definitely learned um I watched those videos and I definitely learned a lot more because of the dynamic because like you guys were able to balance each other out in terms of like perspective (laughs)
1: <laughs> thank you yeah. i'm glad that you enjoyed that one i like i think lonely role 15 is such a fascinating chapter of the internet
0: yeah i wasn't even born in 2006 so i was like was <laughs> exactly was
1: it's, it's crazy like and it's it's crazy that um like how much the internet has changed since then and also like how it, i don't know it, it, it it's just i think the internet is so fascinating
0: yeah to to close that kind of topic out the niche the better that's what you guys taught me but um moving on a little bit do you okay to everyone who doesn't know social media easily like 100% of the time is a 24-hour job for everyone but do you guys keep like intentionally keep your work in life conversations separate or like does work just tend to integrate itself into your daily lives and daily conversation
1: I, honestly we constantly talk about work but like I think because both of us really just love it like this is really what I want to do for the rest of my life like I just have so much fun with it I love talking about the internet I go or like even pop culture in general like I'm just so fascinated by that like even you know what I mean and obviously too I think we have this understanding too where like if I text her like I if I see an article talking about some marketing stunt that Taylor Swift did and I'm like oh my god this is so interesting like this would be a great topic for a video for us to do and if she doesn't respond in six hours it's because she's living her life you know what I mean like I I take no no personal to that i like we'll get to it when we get to it and if she never addresses it like I'll bring it up again on filling day um but I think most of the time like we just both like love talking about that stuff so much that even when the cameras are off we just like text about it constantly so I don't know, I I, like, that, and that works really, really well for me. Other people might be, like, I'm the type of person where, like, I have, my work hours, and after that, I don't fucking work. And, like, that's also totally okay, too, you know what I mean? That's why, again, like, I think it's important to set up those boundaries, like, in the beginning. Like, just even having expectations for one another um, is so important.
0: Yeah, that's why I think, like, your guys' work slash life slash hobby, like, Relationship is so interesting when you're trying to mm, I identify the complexities of adult friendship because um there, there was an episode before this one, The Complexity of Adult Friendship One. Mm-hmm. And that one was one hundred percent about like um the person I interviewed Cece, she talked about how you meet so many people that you stick with for the rest of your life through work. So Yeah. I mean, I, I think,
1: it was, no, yeah. that, it, you, you're totally right. Um, I think like the, the weird thing about adulthood and especially for me, like I, I moved here, I moved 2000, I'm 2,000 miles from where I'm from and I did not know a whole bunch of people moving out here. It's like adulthood is really the first time you pick your friends, weirdly. Like when, it's in, when you're in school, all of your friendships are really defined by proximity, right? You meet mm-hmm. people because you have a class with them you stay friends with them because they're in your major or maybe they live in your dorm or maybe they are on campus the same days you're on campus. So you guys always get lunch together. You know what I mean? Like so much of what you do is defined by like these, so these social settings that you're kind of forced into, whether that's high school, whether that's college or whatever. And like, that's how you, you know, find your tribe. But in adulthood, it's like, weirdly, everything's at your disposal. You know what I mean? Like you could drive wherever you want or you can go wherever it's like, as long as your bills are paid, like there's, there's like really no rules. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like that's like the people you meet in adulthood are really the people that you end up sticking with because you have to like each other enough or have enough in common that you're constantly seeking each other out to be friends with one another, that you're constantly Mm -hmm. in communication because you like talking to them or have, or share a hobby that you're really, really interested in. Um, but weirdly, one of the best ways I've found off-topic, like not even related to Coco, like other friendships I've made in adulthood, like I feel like the best way has been like to tie friends to activities. That's like something mm. that has really, really worked for me. Like moving to a new city, that something I didn't have, you know, like understanding that like, this is my friend who likes to thrift. So every time we hang out, like we go to a thrift store together. And this is my other friend who loves a farmer's market. So we want to go. So like anytime you guys are hanging out, it's always something that, you know that you both want to do and you both will enjoy and integrates into each other's lives and you're not like trying to force settings and situations into lives with one another or like you know i have a best friend who's like super into euphoria and when euphoria comes back like we're gonna watch every episode together you know like weird little things like that are really where i think like friendships blossom um when you just have something that's like routine and you tie each other to it um it's just like a great way to make friends i don't know
0: Mm -hmm. I know I totally see where you're going with that so um working adults out there there's your advice (laughs) um but to close out what's next what's next for you what's next for share your screen South by Southwest did that happen I don't know I
1: I mean South by Southwest doesn't happen until March 2024 so we won't know for a long time um but fingers crossed I think like what's next I what's next for us is I would love to do something live together like me and her I just I love presenting and I had my first ever, um, speaking engagement this year. And I absolutely, it was like one of those things that like, I just did it once and like felt that fire, you know, when you're like, whoa, like I want to do that again. Um, so I'd love to do that. And that's why like South by Southwest meant such a big deal to me. But honestly, like my goal, our goal is like, And I've worked with, I've seen, i worked with a lot of creators, like both independently now in my business, both when I was working on talent, I was working on social, like people, their, is hard to last five years doing this in this industry. Like you, you can probably count on your hands, the number of creators that have been doing this for more than five years. And I realized like, I, I just, I want a career, not a year. Like my goal is to do this for as long and support myself doing this for as long as I possibly can, because I love Mm. it so much. And if that, that doesn't mean I have to be the biggest creator, that doesn't mean I have to, you know, work with someone amazing or do something huge. Like I just want to like build a community of people who are as weirdly obsessed with like hyper niche internet culture and pop culture and marketing and like how brands can be doing things better or how creators are, growing followings and like all of that is just so fascinating to me that I just want to talk about it for as long as I can so that's really like why we built the show too is I felt like YouTube and podcasting is like the final frontier like the fun like if Mm -hmm. content creation was a video game like YouTube is the final boss (laughs) you know what I mean like it's the hardest platform to crack but once you do like that's how the Emma Chamberlains are born. That's how Mm -hmm. the Colin and Samir's are born. That's how the Mr. Beasts are born, right? Like Mm -hmm. the people that have built these like, almost like media like company businesses or or just have been doing this for so long. Like the one thing I feel like all of them have in common is they're able to entertain people for 30 minutes or longer, you know? And I think there's like maybe a weird connection to like traditional media with that, like film and, and TV and whatnot, but, I just know that that's really what I want to do. Like, I just want to get into something where I feel like I'm, you know, I have like a, a tribe on the internet and we could talk about weird stuff. And um, I can just do that for as long as I can.
0: Yeah. So, um, moral of that story <laughs> a career, not a year.
1: Yeah. You want a career, not a year. It, mm-hmm. It's so, tr- and it's so tough. Like, the internet's such a comparison game because everything's quantitative, you know? Like video one gets 700,000, video two gets 100,000. You feel worse about video two. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, anyone who falls victim to that doesn't last. And I've seen it happen to so many people. And again, that's like one of those weird blessings you don't think about when you work for a company. It's like you get to watch, you get to, you're getting paid to watch other people make mistakes. And that is really, really valuable because you don't have to experience the mistake and you just get to watch like, somebody else making it and they suffer the consequences of that and then you know not to do that whenever you go out and do your own thing um big out yeah, sorry i i feel like i that was such a long answer
0: no you're good but yeah that's it that's the complexities of adult friendship episode two with nikki reardon
1: <laughs> well thank you so much for having me matthew you're, you're thank you i i'm impressed that you're doing this at like such a young age i wish i had started this early
0: it is I'm sure you know, but it is so hard to keep up uploading weekly. Oh, it's like... so hard,
1: and also podcasts like there is no discoverability. Like exactly. there is no algorithm to it. it it's terrible. In fact, I, we actually made a, we made a video about that. We talked about this on our Spotify mm-hmm. episode of like how I think in the next social media prediction in the next three years there is going to be a major platform that breaks through by giving discoverability. To audio, like finding ways for undiscovered, because like TikTok does that, but I, I don't even think like there's something about like the conversion that doesn't work. Like people can yeah. blow up on TikTok. like I've seen people get millions and millions and millions of views on a song on TikTok, yeah. and they're lucky if it gets fifty thousand streams on Spotify. You know what I mean? Like people will yeah. listen to it in the app, but not listen to it outside of that. So I think somebody's gonna crack the code with that, and if they do, they'll make a lot of money.
0: Yeah. Because you have to come back every single week and you miss one week, it's over. Yeah. Um, and
1: it's like so um it, it's just weird too. Like there's no comment section and like it yeah, podcasting is just its whole own beast. But if you keep doing this, also keep in mind like you're literally getting like this is should it is and should be like networking for you. You know, like I'm sure mm-hmm. you'll make so many connections doing this that will pay off years later in ways you don't even realize. Exactly. I'm really just
0: lucky to have a friend like that, honestly. That's it. Anyway, that's it for me. Nerding out, being the little nerd I am, because that, that is my version of nerding out. Social media is my nerd. That That's that's the call that makes me nerd out. Um, Yeah, I thought talking about adult friendships from like a literal teenager perspective and also an adult perspective was so interesting. The first episode, last episode was with someone who's really settled into her professional life. And this one is with like a Gen Z leaning individual. Um, But yeah, if you're a working adult, I hope this helps. I hope it opened up your perspective and allowed you to kind of take in what you can do to, Strengthen your relationships with other people. Because that's what social truth is all about. And yeah. Catch you in the next episode. It's only going to get bigger from here. I have the rest of the social truth planned. Like it's only going to go up from here. That was social media marketing god number one. (laughs) That's crazy. This is like my version of nerding out. You guys don't get it. Or you do. And that's really... You guys either get it or you don't get it. And that's really all there is to it. But you got, you have to admit, like, that's that's pretty cool. Like, that is networking right there. If I've ever taught you anything from my podcast, from, like, me talking with Cece, whether it's last episode, whether it's on her podcast back in January, like, networking, guys, get LinkedIn. If you're a teenager right now, I want you to get a LinkedIn account. You will learn so much about yourself. Um, ugh, That's it. Bye. <sighs> oh, Carlos <Gosh>. declined. <laughs> <was> Embarrassing. Carlos <laughs> declined.